Middle of the Pack. Real discussions for the middle of the pack by the middle of the pack. We'll talk about training and racing, but we're here to deep dive into the life topics of the weekend warriors and obstacle course racing enthusiasts. Obstacle course racing isn't just a sport, it's a lifestyle. We are the middle of the pack. Hey everyone, and welcome back to Middle of the Pack Podcast, or if this is your first time, welcome to Middle of the Pack Podcast. I am Charles. I'm here with my host as always, Megan. Hey guys. And returning yet again, we are here with Corey. Good morning, good evening, and hello. Got his own, this is two, two episodes in a row. He's got his own intro catchphrase. <laughs> I know. <laughs> we even tried to do our own catchphrases and that lasted like two episodes. I did not last time. <laughs> but yeah, we are back again this week with a uh, topic that is kind of going to become relevant, especially after, I mean, this past week it was ultra champs, but we have, we're in that part of the race season where you, most people have to travel. I mean, granted, we're always traveling for races, but these are like the longer races. Like, unless you're one of the people who shelled out money for to go to Abu Dhabi, unless you're going to World's Toughest Mudder. I'm sure there's another race somewhere. If you're sure driving up on the East Coast to do the Fit Ultra 24, that's another one. Do people really travel for that race? For an audio podcast, I just shrugged. I don't know. I mean, Fit's kind of a smaller race for the, when it comes yeah. to the trails, but yeah, True. it's a good race. Yeah. Um, and then also, yeah, just a couple of weeks ago, we did have. OCR World Champs and I guess Spartan North American Championships. So we figured this week would be a good idea to talk about traveling. And we hauled in a bunch of tips from you, the listeners, our community, to uh, kind of help us out to shake out the best tips and tricks for either traveling, driving, flying, Airbnb, and room sharing. So we're kind of going to cover the whole gambit and hopefully uh, get y'all some secrets that you didn't already know. Well, really, I came up with this topic because, Charles, you did the thing that I say I'm never going to do, and that was host a house for OCRWC, and you very quickly learned why people don't want to be the people hosting houses for Airbnbs. So I figured with this all, we can kind of start putting together, you know, lists of etiquette and how to so you don't get screwed out of money. Oh yeah, that was a uh, that was a problem in the the weeks leading up to OCR Worlds was getting people shuffling out and coming back in and trying to get the money to cover it all. So yeah, I learned it the hard way, and I don't think I'm ever gonna host a house again. I think that was the last like, all right, I'm good. It wasn't my first time hosting, but it was the first time hosting people who I don't all specifically know. But yeah, Airbnb seems to be the biggest talking point here. Because that's what everybody kind of gave us back on their on their uh, tips and tricks. Well, honestly, I think that's been the biggest thing in meeting new people when I race is I've met so many people just by being in different houses with people, whether it was, you know, out in Tahoe or Killington, West Virginia, everywhere I've gone, like the bigger races We've always put together houses and it's usually like going on the OCRWC athlete page or Northeast Spartans or Spartan 4.0 um, and people just posting, hey, I've got room in a house. Who needs a spot? Or, hey, guys, I'm looking for a place to crash for insert race here. Um, who's got an extra bed? And through that, um, I've definitely met my fair share of people. Early on, I spent most of my time actually not even stay, sleeping on beds, sleeping on people's hotel room floors. I did a lot of. I did that for a good amount of money, sometimes paying, sometimes not having to because people are like, it's the floor. Who cares? But yeah, I filled in a lot of spots that way, just like somebody who knew somebody who knew somebody and they knew somebody who had like an open bed. But yeah, I made a lot of friends that way. I've uh, shared beds with a lot of dudes. So yeah, that's how you make, that's how you make friends. Sharing beds with dudes. Sharing beds with dudes. You respect each other's space. It's a queen size bed. You sleep facing that way. I sleep facing this way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's what happened at Noram 2018. Yeah, kind of the main thing I learned almost immediately, especially like once I started losing people in Airbnb houses, was uh, I made the mistake of paying it in halves. So we did the first first half of the payment, had everyone pay. Then right before the event, had everyone pay the second half. And I didn't have anybody do any like non-refundable down payment. 
It just seems like I probably should have gotten everybody pay up front. And that seems to be the thing a lot of people have been saying is to have people pay up front. And then also at a certain point, if you back out, there was no like getting your money back, which is kind of a hard rule, but locks people in. It really shouldn't even be at a certain point. Like if you are confirmed to stay in a house for a race, like you, you know, you're going to the race. Why are you backing out at this point? I know for the house that I was at at OCRWC, Bam was great because he's been screwed out of so many different houses where people say they're going to come in, then they back out, don't pay. He pretty much said, I am not confirming you in the house until I have your total payment. I am not going to give any refunds. Once you are confirmed for the house, you're confirmed for the house. Um, If you need to back out, find a replacement. And then that replacement pays your part. Yeah, that's what we ended up doing with one of our guys who backed out literally within three weeks of the event. Had him, and then he didn't even find a replacement. Someone else found the replacement, and we ended up, I gave him his money back. Uh, but yeah, I don't know who's backing out, who was backing out of OCR Worlds like three weeks in advance. What pops up three weeks in advance of a race that you've been committed to for like a year and a half? Crap. I was, I was about to say, uh, Dave. Yeah, that's, po- that's a possibility. <laughs> yeah, but. I mean, I understand some things in life happen, but hey, if you're also going to build a house, one thing I found out in this when I was trying to, especially like a couple months out, trying to get certain people in there. Guys, did you know the OCR community has a lot of drama in it? Oh, my God. That's part of the reason why I went into the house that I did. (laughs) And then uh, did you also know that uh, certain people don't get along with other people in the sport? No, never. Everybody me, so I don't know. So the one thing I I learned and decided to do was when I was trying to get people to fill my house, the people I had confirmed, I took a screenshot and I was like, this is people we have in the house just to let you know, just in case for some reason you have drama because there are, there are groups out there like Savage Syndicate, like some of the Spartan groups where people have started drama in the past and didn't make friends with people. So uh, just started to be up front when I was adding people like, Hey, this is who we have. Doesn't work out, doesn't work out. I happened a couple times for people. They just didn't. They're like, eh, there's some people on that list I don't get along with. So, yeah, it was just a smart tip. But most people in this sport maybe get along with everyone. I don't know. I mean, it is good to lay down ground rules of, hey, no drama and whatever else. If you can find people that are relatively drama-free, do it. I mean, I know I went into OCRWC with the intentions of i don't want any drama so i'm going to avoid it like the plague and i think i achieved that i i was pretty happy i avoided everything yeah and speaking of a lot of stuff that actually kind of goes down with drama in these houses it seems to be that like um i don't know if anyone else has experienced the party house problem yeah 100 percent. and actually when i signed on to the house i signed on with our team our other team member um, would make comments about how I was in the party house. And, you know, we they needed to make sure to rein me in so I wasn't out drinking and partying. I didn't drink at all during OCRWC. And, yeah, people in my house, they would have a beer or a seltzer or whatever else the night before a race, but they didn't get wild and crazy. I mean, we sat up watching, what, football and, like, baseball and boxing and then went to bed. There was nothing, you know, partying going on. I think they stayed on after. So like Saturday, Sunday, or Sunday, Monday night, they ended up staying around Stratton and having parties. But I wasn't there. I know the uh, the one party houses I've come across was my first ultra at Killington. And it was in a party house. And luckily they didn't party the day before the Ultra Beast. They partied the night of, like once it was done. A little tricky to fall asleep even after you're exhausted when like people are having a full-on rager at the house. Yeah, that was definitely the first house I stayed at at Killington as well. I mean, at one point we were up boxing until like 11, 12 o'clock at night when people were going to be running the ultra and people were drinking, taking shots. Like, um, But that was also a house where you had air mattresses galore everywhere you tried to walk 
And at one point, at some point, like when is it too many people in a house? Like, I don't want to sleep on a floor at this point. I don't really want to sleep on an air mattress next to somebody else on an air mattress. You know, stepping over more people on air mattresses. The cost is not worth it to me. Yeah, the uh, I've been in like hotel rooms where there's like three air mattresses along with the other two like queen size beds in there. That's usually a little bit of a, a hassle. But anytime I've been in a house, I have always been in those houses where we are luckily not just like selling every square foot of uh, floor space available. The way I booked the few houses I have, like this one, and then a couple of years in the past when I've done it, it is literally, these are the amount of beds we have, and that's what we got. Like, we're not going more, even to make it cheaper. We're just, that's what we're booking. We're not going to book out the couch, because that's ridiculous. It's like, to have someone sleeping on the couch, especially in a group house where people are running at different times of the day, like, no one wants to wake up at like seven in the morning to go do their run, and there's just a guy passed out on the couch, so now you have to like, quietly walk around in the kitchen and like make your eggs quietly not worth it oh that's me literally every house that i'm in i'm always the first person up like tiptoeing around everything it's bad but like again i wake up at like 4 5 o'clock in the morning to race for nine o'clock i'm like that crazy person so those times you wake up and you're like why do i do this hobby I can't fall asleep before a race and I can't stay asleep. Apparently I can't stay asleep at all anymore. Um, <laughs> sleep is a problem. But yeah, I, I mean, I think definitely when you are in a house, you need to always be mindful of everybody else. And even if it's not a party house, so to speak, you do still need to be mindful of when other people are going to bed. And I know at the house at OCRWC this past two weeks ago now, I was downstairs and I could hear everybody talking the floor above me as I tried to fall asleep. And it just added to my insomnia, like hearing conversations about this, that and everything else, even if they're not, you know, screaming, partying, drinking, whatever else, um, they still were talking loud enough that I wasn't able to sleep. I've had that I've had that at two of my houses and I've either A brought earplugs or B a white noise machine. Because the white noise machine really cancels out everything, like for me. Because the like two of the nights at our OCR World Champs house we had uh I w we had to turn on the white noise machine so we couldn't hear like people talking just outside. Yeah, white noise machine sends a help. I don't know if y'all need that to sleep or not. Oh, I could not do that. Well, that's I sleep with one of those every night anyway, so I'm kind of used to it. No, that would annoy me. But then again, I'm somebody who falls asleep listening to like metalcore. So I need something with substance to listen to. Otherwise, I'm like, my head is just going a thousand miles a minute. I was like, Corey, are you awake? I can't tell because you're in the dark. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I haven't heard from him. No, I am. Well, you guys are, this is... I, I travel and lodge way different than what you guys are so far. I think the only tip on the whole Airbnb and the rooming is if you're going to do that, make sure you get somebody's number or somebody's contact information prior. Because I know I was jumping back and forth between two houses, and there was one day I got there, it was like 11 o'clock because I had fallen asleep on the couch just watching football at one house, came to my original house at Worlds, and I had nobody's contact information. And I didn't think about using the the group chat, so I was I was locked out of the house for a solid ten minutes trying to find somebody to uh, let me in the house. Wait, you didn't know like a lockbox code or like a door code or anything? I didn't get the information. You you mean like you mean like the information I put in there when I was driving up to the house? He <laughs> <laughs> was going through so much. I know, I know. Yeah, I forget as much. Yeah, it was, uh, it was a very long day. I tried to make sure that didn't get buried in the chat too much. If only, like, Facebook Messenger let you, like, pin messages, that would be clutch. But I know, like, for our group, for our house at OCRWC, we didn't even have a group chat. So I, I couldn't tell you who was going to be in there when I showed up. Um, I had no way of contacting people. I mean, when Corey was running around looking for his wallet, I had nobody to, like, message and be like, hey, just in case you see this. 
that's so bizarre. Why would there not be a group chat? That's not that's not an ideal way. To, I mean, I get it. Some people don't want like notifications going off every few seconds, but mute it. That's kind of an ideal way to like get the information across. That's kind of like if you're, I don't know, it's an easy way to be like, hey, is anybody bringing this type of food or do I need to bring all these cooking supplies, stuff like that, which is another part of like the lodging section I want to get into. But like the whole communication part of it, it's ideal to have a group message just so people can get basic information out of it. Okay, with group chats, and I know we mentioned drama and um, I'm going to just bring up a story about Killington this year because and we're going to get into it more with camping and whatever else. Like I have a truck tent now. I had zero intention of staying at a house. But very last minute, Russ, I asked Russ if I could crash at the house um, just in the like the driveway, set up my tent, be fine. He's like, oh, but there are bears. He's like, we have an extra futon, like come crash. Like, okay, perfect. Thank you. I was only staying the night. I was driving back after volunteering on Saturday. It was perfect. And we get in there and um, everybody's starting to eat. And you got a bunch of people who don't know each other. There are people coming from Texas. There are people all over New England. And of course, the conversation comes up about politics and vaccinations and everything else. How do you handle something like that? I barely talk politics with my family or any relationships or friends. So I don't ever see it happening coming up in like an OCR house. But if it did and I was a scenario, I would either just sit on my phone till it leaves or just leave the room. Like I don't I don't like talking about like politics and stuff like that when I'm at like an event because racing is my vacation technically. Yeah, I just ignore that's that's all I do. I just let people talk, say what they want to say, and I just sit there. I don't jump into the conversation what, at all whatsoever. Well, that's exactly what I did. I ended up not partaking at all as they're going off. One person was so incredibly against vaccines, and the other person works with a very... Um, immunocompromised population said, well, if you're not vaccinated, can you please wear a mask in the house? And I'm, I don't want to get into any of that stuff on here. Whichever way you choose, I mean, we're not, we're not going there. But the person, one person was very much in your face. I'm going to make it known my feelings. And the other person was trying to be respectful, but getting mocked every step of the way. And uh, me and a couple other people all just got up, walked downstairs, went to bed. Um, and then it turns out that it got so bad that um, one person ended up damaging the house. Oh, that's fun. Yeah, um, not fun. I don't have any tips for what to do with that. Uh <laughs> never broken anything during an Airbnb, so... And, like, we shouldn't have to sit here and say, hey, guys, like, don't talk about, you know, money, religion, politics. At this point, like, luckily at OCRWC, they took out any chance of having that whole conversation. But if, you know, you ha are sitting one way or the other about, you know, recent events and everything else, like, don't talk about it. Don't bring it up. Most of the chats I've had at any houses have been basically A, how the race went, B, how my past races went. And then other than that, there's just like some random movie on in the background. I've never like seen people like want to get into a deep conversation unless we're like talking race results. Just the, I've yet to experience drama in a house on that type of level. And I hope I never do. And honestly, that's like, I feel like I'm only 33, but I feel like I've gotten to the age and amount of times I've stayed in other people's places where I'm like, I think OCR World's next year, I'm just going to book a room for myself. That's what I've been thinking. It's expensive, but at this point, it's not like I've had bad experiences in the house. I'm just kind of like, eh, I think I'd rather just book a house and book a room and do it that way. The one like advantage, though, of booking a house is kind of what I've always taken advantage of is you get a kitchen. Oh, 100%. 
and I'm very much at this point. I only ate out at uh at War at Stratton once. It was me and Jess got lunch and coffees, and it cost us fifty bucks. So <laughs> it's just two sandwiches, two coffees, and then a cookie. Fifty bucks. So cookie. you need that sugar bomb. I needed it after three. I needed it after that three k. <laughs> yeah, we ate it out after the three k, and that was about yeah. it. Fifty bucks, but it was. Uh, yeah, so I just. I try and coordinate when I can with other people in the house. Like, hey, who's bringing food? Who's making food? Like, just so we're also not all colliding in the kitchen at certain times. But yeah, going out and like bringing your own groceries and bringing very little because we had to throw out a chunk of groceries when I was cleaning out the house. Everybody shows up with like their big coolers full of everything. And I know that's what I did because I was planning on making our team dinner, which of course didn't happen. Um... But then what about community food? Is the stuff you bring to OCRWC community food or is it strictly yours? Yes and no. It's it's unless I full on declare it. Like if I've already started eating it and I'm like, this popcorn is now like people can have some of this. Usually if I've made like home made a homemade baked goods like cookies and stuff, usually I'm, I'll declare it like community food. I don't know. I'm pretty easygoing. As long as someone asks before, like if they're clearly like, if I have like food in the fridge and someone's like, Hey, is this someone's like so-and-so granted I don't share drinks because they're expensive. Like if I brought like for some reason, fit aid or body armor, I usually don't share stuff like that, but sometimes I'll make coffee and people can share that, but I'm pretty, I'm pretty open. Community food's pretty good. Uh, if you can convince the house to, people can go in on a team on a full like house dinner if someone's willing to make that food. But that's something that needs to be organized and discussed, and payment needs to be talked about because it you should never just assume. And um, going through and having a hey, hey guys, we're we're cooking dinner tonight. Are you in? When people have already made plans or whatever else, also doesn't work. So it needs it needs to be a little bit of both um, coordinated ahead of time and say Saturday night we're gonna have a big house dinner. Do you want in? Or like at the Killington house, um, I was added very much last minute and didn't know somebody was bringing dinner. But I mean, nobody said, "Hey, if you want, you know, Keaton dinner or whatever else, house dinner, like just chip in like five bucks or something." I've gotten like bitten in the wallet a couple of times in the past, like with houses where we're like, oh, we're all going to split on groceries. Never works that way. Splitting groceries evenly just doesn't work. And it's not that I don't make a lot of money and it's not that I don't make very little money. I'm very strict on like what I'm paying. And if we're all splitting groceries, I don't want to pay for such and such as drinks or stuff they want to tack on or if they want to get a different, like more expensive type of something. Just, I think a general rule when it comes to that stuff, don't do groceries for a whole house. It's going to screw you over because you'll end up paying way too much money for someone else's stuff. 100%. In that case, like, then I do kind of like me and like me and all my friends are great where if we go out to dinner or we, you know, have to buy something or whatever, it's one person buys everything one time and one person buys it the next time. You know, if you buy me lunch i'm gonna get dinner the next time we go out um and we we never have to venmo each other because oh my gosh you bought one more beer than i did or whatever else like we just call it even and we know no matter what we're just switching off okay i feel like that's a general rule for life venmo and you see so many people that are like i am venmoing sally for a beer at the Bruins game and it's like no you could have just bought her a beer like that's cool the only time I've been about money back to my friends is like if we did all agree we're gonna split this meal like we're we're all paying for a meal like sometimes I will pay for a meal just to get some more airline miles on my credit card 
And then it's like, if it's especially if it's a giant group thing going out, I'm like, I'm gonna put this on my card and we're just gonna do this later. Cause I don't wanna do that math of like, what did you get? And what did you get? Like, let's split this up. No, they're just gonna put it on one card. I'm gonna eat the miles and then and that's we'll funny, do that later. That's literally like the only time I Venmo like Brian or anybody is when he drives out to a race and then it's like, okay, we know that we switched off for meals. So that's null. okay. You know, Megan, you already owe me X amount of money for this. Or, you know, fill, you're going to fill up the tanks and I'm just going to figure out what tolls are. And then like carpooling, it's literally like, okay, I'm going to figure out the difference. And it's just like this random crapshoot of a number that we don't even know if it's accurate because at that point, like, who cares? And then one thing, I just general question on for especially Airbnb, when it comes to the betting situation, where do we stand on like everyone paying the same amount or do certain people who want to get the bigger bed have to pay more? Cause some place, somehow this we stay at where it's like, like a lot of events at Killington Stratton place like that. They're in ski houses. So there's a lot of bunk beds and stuff, but like certain places have Kings and Queens, doubles, singles, bunk beds, stuff like that. I've only stayed in the one B and B with you guys down there in worlds, but I mean, it's, I think what you guys, I think what was it, first come, first serve, basically, at that point. So, I mean, if, just find whatever the price is, dividend it up, and then literally just at that point, whoever shows up gets whatever room they want. <laughs> I think if, so obviously, like, houses say X amount of people can fit into it or whatever. If you are having multiple people in one bed, I think in that case, like, everybody pays the same amount and like two people one bed they can get the bigger bed but they're like still paying the same amount because they're still staying in the same house but um i think there should be a little bit of something for like people that you know book earlier whatever else because like for instance with ocrwc i had i was on track to be there by two o'clock in the afternoon we had no group chat and i was like bam like can you at least make sure i get a good bed like i want like a deep bed i don't want to be on bunk beds and i get there at nine o'clock and i'm on a fucking bunk bed and it's like okay do i want the top bunk or the bottom bunk no i don't bunk at all i hit my head no matter what and like the person who signed on to the house very last minute gets like the big bed in the same room like you know it's kind of shitty because i had signed on to be in that house back in may so why does somebody who signed on in august get a nicer bed just because you know they didn't have to be a nice human and pick somebody up who was in desperate need like so i'm sorry i ruined your bed selection you know yeah we'll, we'll talk about it later god you owe me for that no um but ultimately like there should be a little bit of communication on it like obviously the person who books the house should be able to pick their bed first. But then it it should be, you know, communicating with the people who have been in the house the longest, who've paid the money, who are bringing the groceries and say, okay, what is your preference with beds? I mean, I had to text and be like, hey, just um, can you please make sure that I'm not in a room with some person I don't know or some creepy guy or whatever else? Like, you know, there were people in that same house that had these nice big like full-size beds and here I am with like a twin bunk bed even though I was one of the first people that booked the house like it's kind of shitty and I mean it's not Corey's fault because I picked him up it's not my fault that I was a decent human being like I should have been able to get a nicer bed because I had had my mind made up and I was invested in this well longer than somebody who signed on last month. Yeah. That's kind of how I ran this house. Me and the person organizing it had like an initial idea of how we were going to do it. And then me and Jess took the king size bed. Someone else took the queen. And then we only had really one other selection. It was because we had a couple join and there was only one room with two single beds in it. And we figured that would be the best option for them. Since they were a couple, we figured we'd put them in that. We'd put them in that room. Everything else was wildly up for grabs because the rest are all bunk beds at that point. Because I've always been like, whoever books, like 
John to, uh, told us from the community, he told us, uh, whoever books the Airbnb gets first choice of beds. It's kind of the way it goes. If you're going to front the cost on your card and such, you should definitely get to pick your bed. It does suck, though, if it's one person who's hosting that house and they get a full king-size bed. That's a little... I'll fuck that more. If I am booking the Airbnb, I am taking the biggest bed. Oh, yeah. Um, but I had one also, generally, you kind of almost touched on it, which is organizing a house. I've kind of felt it's always, even when it's organized with friends, girls have always, if it's multiple girls, they get in one room. We never really mixed gender even when we're comfortable with them because i've shared like with my old team we were all very comfortable with you with each other but when we had to share rooms it was dudes in one room girls in the other room that's just kind of how it worked because none of us were dating but it just kind of worked that was like the easier way so we didn't have to deal with like one person has to be here while the other person's changing and stuff like that like that's kind of how we felt was a general same with what we did at um we did that what noram 2019 until Zach somehow ended up sleeping in my bed while he, while I was racing. Even though he had a bed of his own, and then, but he also slept on the couch. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so weird. And I like Zach, but that was so weird. Um, it's okay. Like Daniel ended up on our couch one night too, which that's something that I think we really should talk. We realize that people have friends in the OCR community. And when you're, hanging out at you know race weekends you know be cool with people having friends come over and if whether you're drinking or they end up you know staying a little late like don't be a dick if they're like i'm just gonna crash here which i don't think i've ever had a problem with that but i also think we need to reiterate that because i know people get really weird with money and whatever like don't be a dick um, somebody isn't deliberately like hanging out with somebody just to have a place to sleep. Um, and if they are, you can tell that right away and don't house with anybody who could potentially bring somebody like that. Yeah. I think like the main, the main thing for me on that is just as long as I know in advance, like, and it's not like you have to like ask permission. It's like, Hey, I'm coming back to the house, blah, blah, blah. This person's going to be with me or we're just going to hang out. I'm like, all right, whatever. Um, because it is sometimes weird, especially with shared houses, where it's like you walk in and now someone else is here, and you're like, "Excuse me, who's this person?" That's definitely how it was when I dropped my stuff off. Bam comes up to me, he's like, "Hey, Megan, I thought you were alone." I'm like, "Oh, I am. I'm about to take Corey to his house, he's carrying my stuff into the house." Like, don't, don't mind him; he's the reason I'm late. We're gonna go drop him. This is my valet. <laughs> this is, he drove. And this is my valet with my yeah. truck. No, but uh, along those lines, um, I don't know if it's along those lines or whatnot, but Asa had a comment, which, I mean, I don't take it seriously, but I need to take it seriously because we're adults and it happens. Um, He says, keep any moans and groans to a minimum level during late night sleeping hours. (laughs) Which, I mean, hopefully if you're in a house, you keep all that stuff to a minimum during all hours. And, I mean... If that happens, like, be smart and, I don't know, put a sock on the door or something. Have some form of communication or uh, pick your time, stick to your own bed. I don't know. (laughs) You know, we're all adults. Shower? Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, shower. Shower. It's communion space. It could be cleaned. Um private nobody's gonna be walking in while you're in the shower that's not true i've shared a house where like like the door didn't lock and they didn't clearly didn't like hear like the excuse me what's this is this water running let me just walk if they want to show sure (laughs) nothing better than watching someone like shower as they're sore and just be like ah what a great show (laughs) so in all seriousness um we did actually get some really great tips on staying in Airbnbs. And Tony said um, that splitting rooms, sharing Airbnbs, um, they can be team bonding. And there always seems to be a more relaxed travel feel than with others sometimes because we all know what's about to happen and share the excitement and the experience, um, which is very true. I think like OCRWC, I had zero race 
I wasn't in my head at all. I wasn't sitting around thinking about what's going to happen. We were all just kind of talking about like our experiences, what we know of the course, and then we went to bed. Um, there was definitely not those pre-race jitters that I'd usually get. Like I remember sitting in the hotel room in Maryland with Brian the night before Savage Maryland, just freaking out. I'm like, I don't know what to expect. I mean, I I had plenty of other stuff going on too. That was all playing into my head, but um, I was just a total head case. And it was all because, you know, we had gotten there so late and then it was, you know, where are we going to eat in the morning? Um, where are we in relation to the venue? Do we know what the rig looks like? Oh my God, let's freak out. Um, so that's what I did. That's kind of the, uh, that's what's going on with most houses for me. It's just kind of everyone figuring out exactly what it is. We speculated on what obstacles were going to be. We ran through, um, we ran through the, I think it was like every night and morning, we ran through what the courses were going to be and trying to figure out like which things were which. But it's like, yeah, just a general sharing of knowledge and like, how did you get through this? How did you get through that type deal? So we have a story from Bonnie from Mud Run Guide and it's kind of similar to this whole room share and everything else you want to add something formerly mud run guide now ocr buddy <laughs> well i think she's still mud run guide is it, i don't know mud run guide is still like liking posts so she's not okay well bonnie formerly of mud run guide now ocr buddy either way a phenomenal person um she gave us a story on our um post about her stay when she traveled to San Francisco for the marathon. And she said, for the San Francisco marathon a few years ago, I stayed at the Green Tortoise Hostel, which is this amazing hostel in the heart of San Francisco. It was about a quarter of the cost and just as nice, but I ended up making friendships that I will never forget with this amazing group of people from across the globe. We celebrated finishing together and still keep in touch. We celebrate each other's accomplishments even through the miles. And honestly, I think that is exactly what we've all experienced when we stay in these houses. I mean, I know for years after the West Virginia Brociar house that I stayed in, we were getting group chats of people just, you know, sending gifts or sending like little video clips of John Denver's Country Road. Um, I know we all did it for West Virginia. And this is a podcast, but you didn't see Charles roll his eyes. He knows. We all know. But I mean, that happens with all of the houses. You know, you meet so many people and I'll still see people out on course and they'll be like, Megan, we met at this house or this house. And I, I'm always that like random girl who just jumps into any kind of house because I don't care who I'm staying with or whatever else. Like I get along with people and I can keep to myself enough um, that I'll meet any random person. Hell, it's good for business if I'm meeting new people every race um so like meeting people is the best part of these airbnbs again just make sure you're not talking about politics yeah a lot of the people i've met in these houses have actually that's how i've become friends with some i mean that's how i met you it's technically how i met Corey as well um it's how i met matt derek like that's how i've met most of my friends in the sport technically nobody met nobody actually met Corey until ocrwc he was this guy that just like was randomly in these chats. It's the world is where everybody met me. Everyone's seen me on social media, but it's never like, oh, I've met you in person. No, not not the world. They've seen your abs on social media. They maybe that's why people didn't walk up to me. They didn't know what's going on with my face without a shirt. Well, yeah, you didn't wear enough of your Iron Man helmet. You're right. Okay, so. With this, I mean, you've mentioned it a couple times already, Charles. Um, one thing that a lot of people have been mentioning in keeping race travel down is rewards, credit card rewards. I know that you and I have fought over who's paying for what because we want our airline miles on our cards. And hey, I'm the person that um, because this is technically all a business expense, I am not going to use my airline miles to travel out to a race because I can expense that shit. So I'm going to put it on my credit card where I can accumulate miles. And I have 
so many airline miles at this point that I'm taking my pl myself to some nice ass vacation eventually when the time comes. Um, and it's not going to have to do with racing because I am going to actually enjoy it and not be able to expense it. Um, but I mean, people say get credit cards specifically through airlines, um, get credit cards that have great perks and rewards, go through, you know, your Expedia's and your hotels.com and be able to accumulate free car rentals or free hotel stays or everything else. Yeah. I've one thing back in 2018, after I went to Enduro in Australia, I was like, shit, that was expensive. I'm going to get an airline card. I'm going to get a uh, rewards card. I went with capital one. So yeah, that was the best review at the time. But like since then I have signed up for not just even travel miles, uh, signed up for like Rakuten stuff that you can save money online. Cause you can, Get, you can get money back on that. Uh, like I said, I put my card down for like group dinners and just have people Venmo be back. I sign up for anytime I'm going to go to a hotel, I sign up for the rewards. So make sure you make a junk email or shit like that. But like that stuff all can pile up if you're one of these people who used I used to avidly race where I did all that. But it's definitely worth getting, especially if you're going to frequent flyer uh, enough times, it's worth cashing it on those airline miles because my when i went to australia last year didn't even didn't pay a dollar to go to australia used rewards miles and then world's toughest mother this year same thing Air, used airline miles on my flight to go out there and back speaking on travel the uh a lot of us i mean most of, even though i fly most of the way i get to races at this point is i drive most of the time which you would think i'd have a lot of carpool experience i actually don't uh, i have a lot <laughs> Uh, the DC race community is not travelers. I have Brian. I've technically I've carpooled with Colleen. Um, this year for Indian Mud Run, I jumped into a random convoy of New England Botten going out to Coshocton. So there were two vehicles that, you know, we convoyed it out. And we made a full trip of it, driving out. And then on the way back, we stopped at the, you know, Football Hall of Fame. We stopped at some candy store in Ohio. We, um, we, we just made this full trip of it. We even drove through Clarion only because there were detours. But it was fun seeing where I went to grad school because it was the first time I was actually back in Clarion since I have left. Um, but I know, like, Brian and I, when we drove out to... Indian Mud Run in 2019. We stopped going out there and crashed at his parents' house in Buffalo. He got a tattoo the day before. Coming back, we like stopped at Duff's to get some wings and watch some football. Um, like what? He got a tattoo the day before the race. Yeah, he got that wolf thing. Why? His wolf on his arm. I I forget what. How did he keep that safe? It's Indian Mud Run. Nothing is safe at Indian Mud Run on your I body. I have no idea. And he ran a competitive too. <laughs> it was crazy. I know we're in the same heat before we even met. Um, <laughs> it was. He had that like you know the new cling wrap stuff they put on your arm, so it's like self adhering or whatever. So you don't have to tape it. You don't have to put any kind of ointment on it. Um, so he kept it on for like the 24 hours, took it off after the race. I mean, it healed fine. It looked great. Um, but we, I mean, same thing with West Virginia. We, we've stopped randomly at places along the way and like made it a full trip. Yeah. They, they, uh, I've, I haven't like full on carpooled where it's more than one person. I've like driven to races where I'm driving with like a friend out there. But I'm always the one person driving. I've never actually been like with a group full of people. Usually like the best thing to do in those scenarios is, especially if you're not the one driving, make sure you pay for gas. I have friends out there who have not paid for gas on races. They've never offered. They've just kind of. And then if you're going to not pay for gas, dear God, at least buy them coffee or something. Right. So like. I mean, when we go out to concerts, my friend Ian and I, we, we drive out a good amount. Everybody knows I don't drive places. I can't see at night. Just, you don't want me driving. 
So he knows that he's most likely going to end up driving. So we went out to Slipknot on Friday. He drove and, you know, he said, hey, can you get beers? Because we got out there at like three o'clock in the afternoon. So we had like a beer in the parking lot tailgating. And then we stopped at a place to get food. So I picked up the cost of his pizza and his beer. And it's like, okay, we're good. Um, I'm not going to pay for the gas for him to drive me out there. But I picked up the cost of what we what he was eating. Um, but where is it? Oh, Sarah from 4-0. She said she has a tip or rule or just something she tries to abide by saying carpool is usually whoever drives doesn't pay for gas. The other carpoolers take turns filling the tank. And that is something I've never considered before. I would be more open to carpooling if that was the case. Right? I'd be more open to driving if that was the case. <laughs> yeah, I, dr I drive a lot, like a lot. Of, I'm, a, I'm one of those people who's okay with driving for eight hours at a time and is, won't get tired. I won't get bored of it. It's just what I just enjoy driving. So I would, yeah, I would be way more open to having people like carpool with me if they wanted to do that. Anything about at driving to races, Corey? I mean, I, that's all I do. The exception of worlds, everything is I drive. Like being thankfully in Kentucky, I'm relatively close to everything. I mean, an eight, 10 hour drive is still considered local for me. No, I'm not like Charles. Like I get bored an hour into it. So I, I'll do crazy stuff like you know, make videos of myself dancing to Iron Man, you know, Black Sabbath with an Iron Man helmet on in my driver's seat, trying to find something to do. But, um, why haven't I gotten these videos? I posted it. It was it was a little Iron Man meme, and I was dancing around my helmet and stuff like that. But uh, I mean, literally, I just if it's eight to ten hours, I'm typically driving it. Like, just it's just faster for me. It's easier for me. It lets me get myself ready for the race, wherever it may be. Um, so speaking on the airline thing, I'm gonna start looking at something that gives me cash back on gas then. Because as much as I drive, drive more than I fly, so that, that'll benefit me more than the uh, fly miles. Really, I think what the Speedway or something right next to me, they just instilled a new pricing system. So if you have their Speedway card, you get like five cents off a gallon. And like, that's huge, especially when you have a gas guzzler like me. And me. <laughs> the, uh, yeah, like the one... I don't know. I've, I, when I drive, I listen to podcasts. Most of the time I throw music in if I'm getting tired in the middle of it, but like, yeah, it's just driving is super relaxing. Even if I'm driving eight hours, like I did, I drove up to Vermont and race the next day. It's just kind of something I've been comfortable with. But like one thing kind of me and uh, Cora were talking about beforehand is uh, one thing that usually comes with driving sometimes are people who sleep out of their cars. I bought a truck tent for that specific reason. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's early on. That's how I got to races. I slept out of my car because I couldn't afford. I didn't have a job where I could afford to buy, get a hotel room or even share a hotel room, but I could afford the gas to get there. So I would just go and park at the venue, which apparently now they don't let you do. I just learned that before we started recording. And then I would sleep the Friday night beforehand, wake up and race. So Spartan did say that um, I talked to their volunteer coordinator at Boston and I said, you know, I'd volunteer at Killington. I have a truck tent. Um, I just can't afford to pay for lodging. I'm going to be up there teaching the obstacle specialist course and I would stay up the next day to volunteer, but I'm not racing. Like it's not worth it to pay the money. And she's like, oh, we're going to allow volunteers to start camping out. And I tried to follow up. I never heard anything back from them. But when I tried to camp the Thursday before the obstacle specialist course, definitely got some people not too happy with me doing that. Told me I had to tear down, move my vehicle before 6 a.m. when realistically for the 7 o'clock meeting that I had to be at, I parked in legitimately the exact same spot. Um, so why would it matter if my tent is up or not to park in the exact same spot? But it's beside the point. Yeah, kind of the one thing that was pointed out, and it's something I've done in the past. Tim, for uh, 
cheap lodging tip, which was uh, depending on the race, he sleeps at the nearest 24-hour Walmart parking lot, Pilot or Flying J. You can fold down the back, like if you have a vehicle, fold down the back seat, sleep out of uh, sleep out of the back. Each of those places provides a bathroom, which I've slept. Walmart's do let people park overnight. You, that's why you see RVs and semis parked in there. And then pilots and flying J's are, I mean, they're gas stations that usually have truck stops, like for semis. And they, some of them have showers. I don't know if I'd shower at them, but some of them do have showers and private bathrooms. <laughs> some of the bathrooms at those truck stations are actually really nice. Like I give them five stars. They're, they're pretty legit. Oh, I have not seen the inside of them. I, I only would imagine what could be in there. <laughs> Not about to go shower in a truck stop. Um, that's why I have a black card Planet Fitness membership. So I can just stop at a Planet Fitness, get a quick shower, and move along. I know I, I need to use the uh, Walmart parking lots. It's like, what was it? Frontline. When I went to Frontline, I ended up getting there like three in the morning and just parking inside of a library parking lot, sleeping in my back seat. And then driving is only five minutes from the venue, but I'll usually get within five, 10 minutes of the venues and just find somewhere and just crash out, you know, put my trunk seat down, blankets, pillows. Like I make an, I make a nice little tent in my little sedan. So it can happen. That's, that's what I've done good amount of the time. I've found like a specific configuration being that I'm six foot tall. It is not easy to find a car I can fit in long wise like perfectly like a lot of the times i'm just a few inches off but i found like the perfect configuration where i can lay down like a sleeping pad and a sleeping bag bring in a pillow and just try and stay as warm as possible i've even found ways to like block out windows so people aren't like so a you can get rid of the the light around you and b so people aren't just like looking in because i've had that i've had someone like walk by and looking and i'm like looking at i'm like oh jesus styrofoam cutouts that's what I used when I went to OCR Overload is that I've got styrofoam and I cut out the shapes of my windows. So I just stuck them inside the windows, like the, the little like rear view sections, plugged them in there so that people can't see inside of my car. Blocks the light, blocks people looking in, everything. Damn, that's clever. I might have to do that next time I set up the back of my truck. I'm prepared for sleeping in my car, but not prepared to show up to a race with gear. So... Some could say that might be the inspiration for the show, for this episode. Yeah. <laughs> that could be. I was going to say that sounds like a perfect segue to talk about how to actually pack and travel when you have to fly. Don't do what Corey did. That's rule number one now for traveling. Um, pack all your race gear in your carry-on. There it is. <laughs> in fact, who was it? Lisa um, came back and she said... When packing, um, where is it? Our shoes get packed outside of our backpack on a carabiner and waterproof bags so they don't take up room in our bag. Plus, it helps with the wet, muddy shoe issues. So she doesn't even put her shoes in her carry-on. She puts them on the outside. You can't forget your shoes if they are quite literally being seen on your backpack. Yeah, that's... I've done that in the past when I've traveled with trail shoes because yeah, I don't want, I don't want them dirty ass shoes inside my, inside my carry on with my other stuff. I just expand my high leap bag to be like ultra ginormous and it has like a little shoe compartment. I just bring trash bags. Well, yeah, trash bags, trash bags are definitely on top of the list. And I keep not only a, a trash bag, but a laundry bag in my bag like, at all times. Trash bag is like the main thing I always forget when I pack. You would think I would put it on a list every time I pack it. It's just one of those things slips in my mind every time. But don't you keep any kind of like plastic bag from like stopping at Walmart to use the bathroom and like grab some peanut butter M&Ms? Grab a bag? I rarely ever take a bag. I have reusable bags in my apartment. And then if I'm going to a grocery store, depending on what I'm buying, if I'm buying like four things, no bag. I just carry it. Yeah, but, like, there's a difference between, like, you know, D.C. and Boston requiring you to have, like, reusable bags and, like, middle of nowhere Pennsylvania saying, here, take this plastic bag for one or two items or whatever else. Like, you collect so many of those horrible plastic bags when you are out, like, driving to races. 
just keep one of those around. Throw your shoes in those. You would think I would have in the back of my truck, I have a whole bunch of supplies. You would think at this point I would put trash bags in there, but it happens. But um, yeah, I've when anytime I've flown for a race, though, I've rarely ever not had a checked bag. I usually have to check a bag. I pack way too much. Uh, way, way <laughs> I pack much. way too much. <laughs> Um, I'm one of those people who can't just do a carry on. I like, even if it's like a two day from like going for two nights, I'm way overpacked because I want to make sure I have clothes for racing recovery. Uh, if I have to get another workout in, if I'm going to go eat at a nice place, I have to like, I pack way too much stuff and it's usually four or five pairs of shoes. I have a problem. Same. I have a serious problem. I need, I need an outfit for like every situation. And then like two spare like racing outfits just in case. And then, you know, you don't know how cold it's going to be at night. So, like, you need to bring, like, your jeans, like, shorts and full length. And then you need to bring, like, your hoodie. You need to bring a jacket. You need to bring cute clothes because you never know who you're going to meet and where you're going to go. Even if you never actually wear them. And then I bring makeup, which I never wear. So, <laughs> and a hair straightener. And the one thing I never bring is shampoo. So, so what we're getting at is... Me and Megan are not the best to give you a lot of packing yeah. advice. Yeah, don't don't ask me how to pack for a race because I'm going to tell you how to pack for like a month of racing. And then there's me who doesn't pack nearly enough because you guys are talking about hoodies and sweatpants. And I'm like, I've got race gear and maybe a shirt with me. And that's all I've got. So I don't. Well, all the reason to keep buying more race merch. Oh, I don't have a jacket here. Let me buy a jacket. I mean, I had, there is one time I packed and I knew I was getting this many shirts from whatever race, so I didn't pack as many t-shirts. That's about it, though. I've only done oh, that one or twice. But that, that means you broke, like, the, the cardinal, like, band rule where you don't wear a band tee to the concert. You can't wear the race merch at the race. I don't wear my finisher shirt before I finish the race. That's, like, cart. that's my main rule. I don't care afterwards. I I wore one of the... Uh, OCR World Champ shirts after I finished this past, what, three weeks ago? Won't wear any of the race brand stuff at the race. Well, Worlds is the first place I've bought anything at any venue at any race. I've never bought anything merch-wise to the exception of that jacket. That was it. You bought that hat? I bought a hat. Oh, yeah, which is still somewhere in my car. <laughs> <laughs> and it's white, so it's probably ruined. The main thing, my only main packing advice, and probably most people know this, I just military roll your clothes. Oh, yeah. It Hands down. Saves you a lot of space. Like, that's one thing I, I've been doing for years. Military roll, and then I have oh. those packing cubes to really, like, compress them down. Oh, there you go. Yeah, I don't I, I, don't I bring have that a lot of shit. You saw how much I brought the Fit Ultra last year. I brought so much stuff. You brought, you that's, saw how much stuff I brought to Fit well, Ultra. <laughs> we brought, we brought enough for, like, a 48-hour like, race. Four onesies. That's too, that's too much packing. But um, hey, I the, haven't um, even started thinking about Fit Ultra packing yet. I haven't bought a single thing. So yeah, storing your stuff outside, or if your bags have a special compartment, really works. Trash bags really work for race gear afterwards. One thing is I would suggest is also I'm really bad at this, and I'm getting better at it. Is uh, when you have wet race clothes afterwards. Uh, take advantage of the showers you're staying at to just kind of like try and dry those out. Or one thing I've done, I'm, I'm so sorry to the that hotel, like housekeeping people. I've had the clothes where they're wet, like rinsed them off in the shower, wrung them out, and then used my towels to even get them drier. Boy, that's, uh, I'm that asshole who has like 10 towels coming out of a, out of a hotel room. But get some dry because you do not want to travel with some stinky ass clothes after like a 12 hour race and newspapers put newspaper in your shoes i have also done that i've forgotten about shoes i left my 15k shoes in the back of my truck for like three days after ocr worlds yeah my king mts and my socks from ocr worlds are still in the back of my truck I've, every time i go in there to like train a client they're like are those the shoes you wore i'm like Oh yeah, they are. Like, oops, they're in my socks too. I'm like, they are dirty. They are so muddy. But the one thing I think, uh, me and Megan, we have a lot of experience in 
is we have both internationally traveled for racing, mm-hmm. which I feel like is a whole other whole other specific thing to do because you do have to check a bag. Like that's definitely a checking bag. I don't know unless oh you have to unless some people are that good, <laughs> like traveling internationally and not checking a bag. But like um, you also don't have to pay for a checked bag when you travel international. Like take advantage very of true. it. Two bags, fly free. I know I'm really particular about what I eat, like before race day and whatever else. Guarantee you, you cannot find the same stuff internationally that you find in the States. Um, plus, how are you getting groceries or whatever else? Like, I, I brought Kodiak cakes to London with me. That's um, That was one of my, like, main tips, because I went down to i went down to australia in 2018 to do enduro world champs adventuries not one off but two off race they did it twice and then they called it um but the one thing i looked into because i didn't want to pack all my main nutrition i have i looked into if like honey stinger noon and fuel for fire was sold in australia because instead of me trying to take up more space in my bag and figuring out if i can bring this and that i had some shipped to uh, the person I was sharing tent space with down in Australia. And then I had some shipped my, to my Airbnb from there. So I like timed it out to where I knew it was going to get there. And I cleared it with the Airbnb people as well, which a lot of times you can do. You can also do that for hotels. You can have stuff shipped to, to where you're staying. And it's a pretty good idea to a save space in your bag and B depending on the currency exchange rate might be cheaper than buying in the U S. Um, because I actually did save money doing that in Australia. Our currency exchange rate's pretty good, pretty good down there. Um, but it saved me a lot of time and space having to deal with like trying to get twenty-four hour amount of nutrition in one bag. Not easy to do. Okay, well then we we should talk about one of the biggest questions we get from people, particularly who are running ultras. How do you check your ultra bin? Like, how do you pack your bin? How do you physically, like, travel with your ultra bin? I have not traveled with my, unless outside of driving, like flying, I have not traveled with my ultra bin. Well, what good are you then? Um, what I'm going to do for World's Toughest Martyr coming up, I have a giant duffel bag, which I've used for years and years for when I go backpacking in different uh, states. When we ship our bags, we put it in that. I plan on just spending the $5 at a Walmart or whatever store and buying a bin when I'm there. It's going to be cheaper than sending it. And it's probably going to be better off because then once I'm done with that race, I probably, I'm just going to probably toss it, find something to do with it. I don't know, but I'm not, it's not coming back with me to, to the house. It's just kind of, I bring everything I'm going to have in my bags. I'm going to do it that way. Um, The one thing, if you do want to save space on that, because I didn't bring a bin down to Australia, I any nutrition and stuff I did bring that was in my bags, I got rid of all the containers they were in. So the honey stingers and stuff didn't stay in boxes. Any of the food I brought didn't stay in their boxes. Any noon stuff that came in tablet or pill form, all of them went down into Ziploc baggies. Uh, if you are going to bring powder, especially internationally, make sure you at least write a label on it. <laughs> Because they might, uh, there's customs that's still going to check it, but it's better off to, they can at least say like, oh, this is noon drink powder. I don't know. But that saved me a good amount of space. Um, it does suck to try and like then display that in your bin, but hey, it's going to save you, it's going to save you a lot of space and time at that point. But I have never flown with a bin. So I don't know if people are flying with their ultra beast buckets or not. I don't know. Okay, well, I have no experience, so I wouldn't know. But I have heard that people will, you know, check their bin, their bucket, whatever else. But honestly, I'm, I'd probably be one of those people put it all into a suitcase and then just, I mean, use the suitcase as my ultra bin or whatever else as well. Yeah, there are, go to a Home Depot that you can buy the same Home Depot bucket for $5 there. <laughs> They're, they're going to be around. Anything y'all can think of. So you guys have more experience in all this than I do. Um, 
I lay will drive into 10 hours to my like by myself like with me not having a lot of people around here I just literally will just travel around and just kind of do everything on my own travel wise or like I said just sleep in the car and or like on site somewhere and like the worlds was the first time that I've actually stayed in a house with anybody and I've been racing since 16 so it was it was definitely outside of what I'm used to this is educating you on how to be more cost effective with travel and find places that can be a little more comfortable than your car. Well, guys, I think we have covered pretty much everything there is to cover when it comes to race travel. Guys, do you have anything else you want to add? Nope. Just uh, get a travel rewards card and pay for people's dinners and make sure they pay you back. <laughs> I will say somebody did um, make a comment about um traveling to races where you have family and then just like buy them dinner as a payment for thanks for letting me crash and most of the time they actually want to like have that time to catch up and win. i mean that's i wish i had family in places that races but i don't actually most of my family is in the middle of nowhere pennsylvania and sadly it's not where our other middle of nowhere pennsylvania races are well all of pennsylvania is middle of nowhere well, thankfully, I've got family in Ohio. So, War, uh, War X and Savage and Indian Mud Run, that's usually where I'll stay when I go up to Ohio. But same thing, I just buy them dinner or they, you know, help me with carb loading. So, <laughs> not a bad thing. Okay. Well, Corey, where can people find you? Apparently, the only place that matters, and I'm glad I'm going first. Uh, Instagram is ironman.ocr. Um, I'm working on a link tree, I guess, since my companions uh, here have told me I need to get it. Ooh, stepping it up. <laughs> he's learning. We're teaching him. We are. We we told him if he wants to be one of us, he's got to up his uh, Instagram game. Instagram game. But with <laughs> me and my me and my bare minimum uh, work on Instagram. Um, you can find me again only on Instagram at Sabretooth underscore OCR. That is S-A-B-R-E-T-O-O-T-H underscore O-C-R. Sure, you can click on my link tree on there as well. I got a discount for you for Lunafide and then our podcast links and then my work. Hey, got to keep plugging that work. Looking for looking for better pay. <laughs> well, I am Maggie B A T C on Instagram. I am the O-C-R trainer on Instagram, Facebook, YouTube. I have a website. I do online coaching, all the works. Um, you can find us, Middle of the Pack Podcast. We are Middle of the Pack Pod on Instagram and Facebook. We have our link tree up there to find all of the links to the episode, which you probably already clicked on to find it here. We do have a Twitter. We don't use it, so I'm not even going to attempt to remember what it is today. I don't know why we still plug it. I, I don't no know idea. either. <laughs> hey, maybe we're going to have another random outage from Instagram that we need to go on Twitter. We'll see. Sure. We didn't even think about doing it last time, though. No. Nope. So. Missed our chance. Well, guys, this was fun. I can't wait to travel with you guys some more. Um, I only have one race left, so unless you're going to Worlds. <laughs> like, We've already got to Worlds. Toughest, excuse me. World's toughest. <laughs> okay, as of right now, my only races are local. So who knows? Maybe I'll see you guys in the near future in 2022 then. We'll, we'll get on that race travel planning. <laughs> okay, guys. Well, until next week, we are Middle of the Pack Podcast. Thanks for joining us.